0: We're going to be reading a story about how we could be good good people in the vineyard, how, how we could be better Christians bearing fruit for Jesus to those around us, because God wants us to always bear spiritual fruit in Him. Open your Bibles, please, to John 15. We'll be reading verses 1 to 5. John 15, 1 to 5. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that does, that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you
1: Today, we will continue with our sermon series that we started in August that we intend to continue until the end of this month, and it's called What We Believe About the Christian Life. The last time I spoke to you, I, uh, we talked about um, a very important reality in our Christian life, that all of us are expected to grow to maturity, and you guys remember This graphic here that we that that I I showed you the last time two weeks ago, we start with uh, we start as spiritual infants, and then we go on to spiritual childhood, and then to adulthood, and then to parenthood, and we understand that this is not linear like you know like physical growth. We can be spiritual parents and spiritual adults, but then find that sometimes there's some childlike tendencies that we may have that we need to grow out of but as a spiritual infant the focus is for us to really uh, grow in the head okay we need to understand what's right and what's wrong in god's eyes that's why we need the milk of the scriptures the milk of the word we need to understand the fundamentals of our faith and then as we grow into childhood number two right there on the screen. We try to figure out how we can actually apply this in our life. And the thing that we need to learn as spiritual children is to be able to do what we have learned in our heads so that we can grow in our hearts, so that we don't just do them for the sake of doing them. We don't just do the things that we need to do for Christ or for the church or for the people around us. For bad motives, selfish motives, or because we just have to do them. Okay? That's why we need to cultivate love. So that we may understand why we need to do the things that we need to do as Christians. And then God completes this, uh, you know, uh, perfects this love that we have in our hearts as, as spiritual adults. Because as spiritual adults, we think about what we have in our heads and what we have in our hearts. That we can translate it into our hands. As spiritual adults, we serve. The reason why we have this thing tonight, uh, today, this worship service, is because we have people who serve. Right? These are the spiritual adults that serve in the church and in the, with the people around them. And then that love is cultivated because we, spiritual adults don't just think about themselves. Spiritual adults think about others. And then this love is perfected, is matured by God in us when we become spiritual parents. When we, when we think about the things that we have in our head, our hearts, and our hands. And then we think about the other person's health. Right? I, I owe that to Alicia. Right? That H word, their health. Because we can then help other people with their head, hands, and then heart. Okay? That is how we grow spiritually. This morning, what I want to do is I would like us to talk about another reality in our Christian life that is directly related to this. It's essentially this, but put in a different way. This morning, we're going to talk about bearing fruit. So I want us to, as we go through the lesson today, think about... The stages of growth and think about where we are there and how we can bear fruit in each of those stages and we're going to talk about that today with the hope that we can uh, understand what it means to bear fruit this morning we can understand how we can um, uh, we can do this in our life today our scripture reading this morning is taken from john chapter 15 and in that particular passage of scripture we see Jesus say his last I am statement. Do you guys know the I am statements in the book of John? There's seven of them. I am the fruit of the vine, which is this one, the last. And I am the, the way, the truth, and the light. That's the sixth one. I am the bread of life, and so on and so forth. But in this particular passage alone, in the first five verses of John chapter 15, the word fruit appears five times. And then when you look at... Um, a few verses after that, we, become, we understand what bearing fruit is in God's economy, what, what God really desires for us in this life. Look at John chapter 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. It's so amazing that the reason why we are children, that is why we are in the church, the reason why God, the the Lord Jesus Christ, has chosen us and appointed us is so that we can bear fruit. It's amazing because the, the graphic that we saw earlier, the stages of growth, there's a reason why God wants us to grow. It's because God wants us to be effective in his kingdom, because God wants to use us to bear fruit for his kingdom. And because of that, in John chapter 15, verse 8, we, we are told, this is, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Bearing fruit is so important, as we see in this particular passage here. When we bear fruit, we glorify God. We honor Him with our fruits. And then also, it shows... Why we are Christians. It proves that we are with Him. Okay, so it's a very important topic that we are discussing today. And again, what we want to do is we want to understand what bearing fruit entails today. So with with that in mind, we're going to talk about the three C's of bearing fruit for Jesus Christ. The first is Christian character. God desires that we bear the fruit Of Christian character now when I think about character There's so many definitions of character, but the one that I really adhere to the most the one that I use for myself is this character Your character is who you are when nobody else is looking or watching It is who you are in the comfort of your own house It is who you are in your most private setting that's character but God wants to build us a character that is Christian, that is Christ-like. because remember, the, the purpose of growing is to become like Christ. That is the whole point. And to have Christian character, when we think about Christian character, I immediately go to Second Peter. That epistle reeks of character, because in cha- there's three chapters in Second Peter. In the third chapter, Peter tells us exactly why he wrote that particular epistle to the church. In chapter 3, verse 1, he says, he wrote this so that it may affect the way that we think. And then at the end, in chapter 3, verse 18, he says, he concludes with grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Christian character is growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the way Peter did it in 2nd Peter is he gave us these characteristics to add to our faith. He says, 2nd Peter 1, 5 to 7, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Now, growth doesn't matter what it is. Even bearing fruit, especially cultivating godly or Christian or a Christian character, starts with faith. Faith also is tied with God's word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10 17. Faith is believing in what we read in scripture and understand in scripture and then doing it. Remember that? It's not just here. It's also here and here. That's faith. And we need to grow thereby. And the reason why we need to grow, we, need, we know that we need to grow in our faith. is because Peter says in here that we need to supplement our faith. You see that word there? Supplement our faith? With virtue. With godly character. With knowledge. With, with the, the proper discernment through scripture. With self-control. The ability for us to say no to temptation. And to... And to uh, control our urges, uh, I, I underlined all of them actually. Steadfastness, which is which is just a fancy word for patience. We need to be able to bear up or endure under pressure, under trials. And then godliness, which is our um, our will and our mind being one with God's will. Brotherly affection. This is our love and care. For our brothers and sisters in Christ. So it's amazing how Peter tells us that faith in Christ is not just between you and God. If you love God, you will also love your brothers and sisters. And we see that here in this passage. We need to add to our faith that we need to grow in that character of brotherly affection. And then finally, love. And we understand what love is. The best way that I understand love is it's a proactive way... That we seek out after another person's well-being. Not what I want for them, but what is best for them. That is love. That is what God did for us on the cross. That's love. Now, why did, why, why do we have to do this? Why do we have to supplement our faith with virtue and knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection and love? Well, that word supplement there in the actual Greek, the word translated to supplement, is this this Greek word where we get our word for chorus or choir. I'm pretty sure you've heard of that before. Okay? And the way that it was used here is this sense that we need to get all these things together so that they work as one. They're all different, but they have one single effect to build a Christian character. Okay? But I love scripture because scripture tells us what to do, why we have to do it, and how we have to do it. And in this particular case, if you look at 2 Peter 1 verse 8, the the verse after this, Peter tells us exactly why we need to do this. In verse 8, he says, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, if we are growing in our Christian character, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our, Lord and Je- of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we are growing in character, we become fruitful for God. And when we're fruitful for God, we are effective. We are not ineffective. But I wonder how many of us have thought about that. That bearing fruit for Christ means fruitfulness. Means effectiveness means being God being able to use us in His kingdom. A lot of a lot of Christians today are are like you know like thousands of verses overweight. They know the Bible. They know what the Bible says. They know the Greek words of this and that. They know book chapter and verse of 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 so many things. But then they are ineffective because their knowledge of God, they do not use. So that God can change them from the inside. So that their character will change. They still nurture the anger, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the lack of compassion in their hearts for other people. They're still selfish, like little children. So we need to understand that Christian character is something that we cultivate, not because... You know, it's cool or good or we have to, but because it it makes us effective and fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It allows us to be able to use what we know of Christ for good, to bear in the kingdom of God. Now, if you look at this passage here, faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection and love. And then, and, and, then, and then you hear that, hey, we need to cultivate all this. How many of you guys think it's really daunting? How many of you guys think, man, this is hard? I do. I do. And the reason why I think it's hard is because I think about it in terms of my own strength. Strength. I think about it in terms of, well, I need to do this on my own. And you know, our scripture reading today, the gist of bearing fruit, the key to bearing fruit, Jesus tells us. Okay? Right here. John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. I want you to focus on the last phrase there. Apart from me, you can do nothing. A lot of times when we look at passages of Scripture, especially when it's preached or taught in Bible studies, we, we hold back. We go, oh, that's, that's too hard. You know, the number one thing that we need, that, the, the hardest thing for Christians to do is to put our trust in God. To, to really understand that God really loves us that much and actually really believe it. That is the hardest work that we'll have to do in the kingdom of God. Do you really believe that apart from Jesus, we cannot do anything? And now, let's go back to this. With Jesus, do you think this is doable? I do. Because it's not about me. It's about Him. That's why Peter, before he wrote that, you know, these character, characteristics, in, first, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he said this, God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. He gave us the power to do it. It's not because we're awesome that we're going to be able to do it. It's because he is awesome. Well, how good is this power that he's giving us? Well, we're going to go to the Greek again. Okay. In the Greek, the word for power is this. That's that's it. If you look at the Bible, you're going to see that. Do you guys know what English word we got from that? Dynamite dynamic. So it doesn't matter how weak we are. You see? It doesn't matter how frail we are. It doesn't matter how much faith we have. The thing is, when we look to Jesus and abide in Him, that's the song, the kid's song. It's really not just a kid's song. It's our song as well. When we are, was that tangled up, wrapped up? And tied up with Jesus, He's going to be able to use us to shine our light to the world. That is what bearing fruit is all about. It's His power, not my power. It's His light, not my light. We just need to be, again, this is the hardest thing that we'll have to do. We just need to be willing vessels for the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That is the battle that we'll have to fight every single day. So that our will becomes... Our will becomes conformed to His will. That we disappear and He appears. All of... None of self and all of thee Remember that song that we sang last time? Now, the second thing that God expects for us to bear fruit uh is uh from our godly character it's going to come godly conduct christian conduct <clears throat> in Luke chapter 8 verse 15 we understand that godly conduct the same as godly character is based and anchored in the word of god and Luke 8:15 is the conclusion of uh, as you all understand the parable of the sower But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Did you see that? God's word is there, but it depends on what you do with it. Okay, those with a noble and good heart. In the in, in the in the in the account in Matthew, it says those who hear it and understand it. That's your heart. You retain it. When you retain it, it's not only here. It's not only here. It's also here. Right? And when that happens, it produces a crop. The Word of God, the only time that it becomes fruitful in our lives is when it's used. Right? And this is the reason why the Apostle Paul, in Colossians 1 verse 9, prayed this for the church Uh, In Colossae. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. What was he praying for? Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Head. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We need to know. Because it doesn't matter if you have this heart for God. If you don't really know what you're supposed to do. You could be doing so many good th- so many good things that you think are good, but really are not good. So it's important for our conduct to be based out of Scripture. Okay? Now, why did Paul pray for the church to be filled with knowledge and spiritual wisdom and understanding? Well, look at verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord... Fully pleasing to him. With this understanding, then we can bear fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Do you guys see that? It's always a cycle. When we as spiritual infants and spiritual children, we are immature. That means we need the milk of of, of the word. But when we become spiritual adults and when we become spiritual parents, it doesn't mean that we throw all that away. We keep on increasing, as we see here in this passage, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We don't throw it away. You know, I was watching um, this. Um, I, I don't know if I told you this before, but I was watching this um, documentary about this really like popular basketball player, and he said, you know, uh, you need to. He said something like, you need to know the basics. So that you can get rid of it. Like it. It's not true. That's the reason why they're fundamentals. That's the reason why they're at the base. That's the reason why we build upon it. Because that's the basics. If you throw away the basics, then you don't have a foundation. Our foundation is God's word. We need to understand that about our faith. So when that happens, we are ready to be fruitful for God with our hands as spiritual adults we see, we saw that earlier in that particular slide now there's so many things that scripture tells us that we can do with our hands christian conduct we can serve and we saw a lot of this in our in our uh, in our sermon series last month and this month what we believe about christian life prayer is one of them fellowship is one of them serving is one of them and many others we, we, have seen, we have seen previously as well, many sermons ago, many Bible studies ago, that part of our Christian conduct is uh, fulfilling the one another commands with each other. Loving one another, serving one another, forgiving one another, carrying each other's burdens, honoring one another. But what I want to dwell on today is what Paul says in the next verse. Colossians 1 verse 11. This fruit I want us to really think about. This conduct we need to think about. This fruit of our hands we need to pay special attention to. So Paul is saying, we are praying that you increase in knowledge so that you can bear fruit in every good work. And then he goes on in Colossians 1 verse 11 to say this, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might For all endurance and patience with joy. That is the conduct that I want us to pay attention to. Endurance, patience with joy. Why do you think Paul wrote that? Well, because he knew that the Christians, it doesn't matter if it's the Colossian Christians or us, he knows that Christians everywhere, it doesn't matter what time, struggle with sin And struggle with problems. How many of you guys here have no problems? All of us do. And I'm telling you guys, the number one thing that really plagues me, and I know you know this, this is my prayer to God. It's my patience. I can become very impatient. And I have seen the negative effects of that, With, in my relationship with my wife and my children, I need to grow out of that. I need to grow in my patience. And I know I'm not gonna do it on my own. I know that I have to be all tied up, wrapped up, and tangled up with Jesus for me to be able to do that. Because it's not my power, it is His power. Now I ask you, how are you with sin? Is there something that you struggle with in terms of sin? By that I mean, is there a sin that you know in your life that you keep on doing and doing and doing? You probably did it yesterday. You probably did it this morning before you came here. But I want to encourage you that in this Christian life, you are not alone. Jesus is there for you. He says in 1 John 1 verse 9, that he is faithful and just if we would confess it to him and he will forgive us. I am pretty sure Jesus Christ himself follows his own teaching. That he forgives, what's that, 70 times 7 times? Which is not really something that we need to add or multiply. He means he forgives consistently. His mercies are new every day. And again, one of the things that we need to really work on in our minds as Christians, not just us, Allowing ourselves to be willing participants in God's glory, for God's power. Another thing that we need to really work on is understanding that God really loves us that much. That He's going to forgive us every single time. The only thing that I would encourage all of us not to do is to say, well, I do this all the time, this sin that I struggle with. You know what? It's okay if I do. Don't say that. Always confess it to Jesus because He is faithful and just that He will cleanse us from that sin. And then work from there. day, One day at a time. Remember John 15, verse 5. If we think that it's really hard, remember this verse. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then He says, If you remain in me and I in you, Isn't that amazing? It's a partnership. You see, this is the relationship that we have with God. We have a partnership with Him. He empowers us so we can do it with Him. Kind of like what we do with our children. We don't just want to do everything for our children because you know what they're going to be when they grow up? Not good adults. We want to equip them. We want to be firm with them, but we want to be loving with them at the same time. Because that is what a good relationship is. That is what God in Jesus Christ does for us. We remain in Him and he, and, and, and he remains in us. And then, and only then, will we bear much fruit. Because without Him, can't do anything. That's why Paul, in Philippians chapter 2, verse, starting in verse 12 says to us work out your salvation with fear and trembling we have our part to do we have our mind and our hearts to wrestle against we have to empty ourselves so that god
0: Battery, please. Sorry.
1: It's going to be a commercial break. Thank you, Idris. All right. We're back on. Can you guys hear me? Good. So, we understand that what we know in our minds, in our heads, and what we have in our hearts, they have to translate into our hands. Okay? That's conduct. But then, we understand as well that with this conduct... The, the number one ultimate fruit that we bear for the kingdom of God is the last C that we have in our lesson today, which is converts. We help other people find and follow Jesus. <clears throat> Look at Romans 16, verse 5. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epinetus, I don't know how to say that, maybe it's Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. That word, first convert, in the original language, it's literally first fruit. First fruit. See, the difference between a spiritual adult and a spiritual parent is not that one loves more than the other, is that The parent is able to pass on the faith to other people. The parent is able to pass on their ministry to other people. The parent is able to mentor people around them so that they can do what they do. So that when they pass away from this life, the faith and the work continues. Can you imagine if the apostles didn't do that? We would not be here today. If we think that being mature in Christ is just being a spiritual adult who's able to do things, who is able to serve, and then that's it, without a view to the future, to the last days, the church will not survive. The church will die. And so Christ tells us that, in one in, of the Great Commission, make disciples of all the nations baptize them and teach them everything that i've commanded you now you guys are probably thinking well jay that's not me It's okay if you think that like that right now, but know that eventually that is something that is reserved for you That is something that is appointed for you to do It doesn't mean that you're going to come up here and baptize people It means that you're going to be there to help people Find and follow jesus. You're probably thinking well when 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 will i do that? Well, don't you have kids of your own? If you don't have any kids, don't you have kids around you that you see, that you interact with? Because that is what God told the Israelites back in the Old Testament. Remember the Shema? Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy means second or repeated law. Because Moses wanted to tell, wanted to remind the people of Israel after, they, after they're about to finish their wanderings in the desert. Before they get into the promised land. Guys, remember, when we get to the promised land of Canaan, this is what God wanted for us to do in our covenant with Him. Okay? So He repeated this with them. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4, He said, he, He reminded them, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Remember that? That's why, that's why we need to grow in that. Because we need to love God with all of that. And then look at what He says after the Shema. He says this Deuteronomy six, six to nine. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and buy them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When do we tell our kids? When do we stop telling our kids about these commandments? We don't. I love how Moses wrote that. He just didn't say, well, impress them on your children. Talk to them about this all the time. He actually went into the rigmarole of their details of their everyday life. Talk about them when you sit at home. How many of you guys don't sit at home? You guys sit at home, right? When you walk along the road. Well, we don't, a lot of us don't walk, right? Because we have cars. We're in the cars. We're all, we're, we're on the road. Tell them about Christ on the road. When you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands. Make sure that it's everywhere in your house. It is for me. It is for you. This, this fruit of making disciples. It is not just reserved for the elders and the ministers and the people that are, that are gung-ho about Christianity. We all are gung-ho about Christianity because we understand that this is not our work. This is His work through our bodies. Now, I understand. It's tough. Because, uh, let me give you an illustration. Let me ask you a question. What would you say to me if I told you that after the worship service today, we're going to go out for a run 10 kilometers? After this, I see people going, nah, nah. What are you going to say to that? Some of you guys are saying, like, you know, I I can see people going like, nah. It's whack-a-doodle time, Jay. It's whack-a-doodle time. I'm not doing that with you. That is just something that, no, I can't. You know the reason why? It's because, it's because we have not thought about it. We have not been practicing growing to that point that we can go for a run for 10 kilometers. Maybe we haven't even walked, I don't know, 500 meters to the store because we think it's hard. If we have not done that, yes, you're thinking about a 10 kilometer run. That's impossible. Now we see, we see here that one of the fruit That God intends for us to bear is what? To make disciples? No. It's because we haven't thought about it. We haven't purposed our hearts to do it. We have always thought, well, that's somebody else's job. But it is our jobs. Especially if we have children. Especially if we have children. It is our work. And so, brothers and sisters, it doesn't have to be that hard. It doesn't have to be... You don't have to know the Bible inside and out. You just have to have that heart for God. Just like Andrew did. Look at what Andrew did. Look how he bore the fruit of converts. John 1, starting in verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did... The first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. And he brought, and Andrew brought his brother Simon Peter to Jesus. Can we not do that? We can all do that. A lot of times we complicate things. A lot of times we, we say to ourselves, well, I'm not strong enough for that. I'm still here. I'm still a spiritual infant or a spiritual child. Sometimes I'm an adult, but I'm mostly here. But again, that is not a linear thing. We just need to really say, you know what? Jesus, you promised me when you called me. Matthew 4, Matthew four nineteen. Remember, follow me. And who will make us fishers of men? He will make us fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say follow me and eventually you need to be fishers of men. He didn't say that. Just follow his lead. And things will fall into their proper places. So this morning, the message is this. Christ intended for us to bear fruit. But the key to that... Is to abide in Him. To be all wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up with Him. And what we're going to do next week, for next week, is we're going to ask the question, there's part two to this, how do we actually abide in Jesus? How do we do this so that we can build Christian character, Christian conduct, and lead Christian converts to Christ? Next week, that's what we're going to do. But I just wanted to encourage all of us, one final thing, okay? Just so you know that you are good enough for Christ. We all are. It doesn't matter where you are. Okay? Do you guys know Samson? Do you guys remember Samson from the scriptures? I want you guys to paint a mental picture of Samson in your mind. What does Samson look like in your mind? I'm going to guess. He looks like this. Right? He looks like that, right? Because he, 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 uh, he he slew a lion with his bare hands. And he single-handedly, literally destroyed thousands of enemies in a single day. That's what he looks like, right? But if you read Judges, chapter 13 to 16, the scripture doesn't tell, tell, tell us what he looked like. He didn't say that he was huge. It didn't say that he was muscular like Arnold Schwarzenegger. In fact, there's reason to believe that he's not. Because his, what did his enemies try to do? Do you guys remember what his enemies tried to do? They tried to get Delilah to find out the reason why he was so strong. If he was huge, right, like this, like huge, he can not even turn his, his, when you call him, he goes, yeah, what's up? He can't even turn his neck. He's huge. His enemies would not be like, why is he so strong? He's not going to do that. They're not going to, because they can see that he's strong. Why is he so strong? Because of God. Because of God. Now, Christian character, Christian conduct, Christian converts, you guys don't think you can do it? No, you can't. On your own, you can't. But with Christ, you can. Let us stand up and sing the song of invitation.